Welcome to IT Visionaries, created by The Mission, your number one source for accelerated learning. In this episode of IT Visionaries, Ian chats with Lisa Davis about hybrid cloud, the future of data centers, and much more. Lisa is a multi-time CIO that included stints at the University of Georgetown, the U.S. Marshals, and multiple roles in the Department of Defense. Lisa is currently the VP and GM at Intel and has won multiple awards as a top 100 CIO. Enjoy. IT Visionaries is brought to you by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce. The Lightning Platform is a leading cloud platform that makes building AI-powered apps faster and easier. With Salesforce, now everyone is empowered to build apps for their organization. Learn more at salesforce.com slash build apps. Welcome to another episode of IT Visionaries. I'm Ian Faison, your host. I'm sitting in Palo Alto, and I'm talking to Lisa Davis on the other line. Lisa, how's it going? It's going great. How are you? I am doing really well. You know, we're super excited to talk to you today. For those of you who don't know, Lisa is a top 100 CIO award winner, play awards for Digital Edge, Social CIOs, influencer, all the stuff. She's got a great background. We're going to get into her background in IT. We're going to talk about some of the cool stuff that Intel is doing. And we're going to maybe talk a little hybrid cl cloud strategy here. And uh, we're excited to get into it. So uh, Lisa, how'd you get your, your start in IT? Well, I got my start in IT all the way back in, in high school when I fell in love with computers and certainly mathematics and started working for the federal government as a high school senior as I went on to get my computer engineering degree at Syracuse and then had a career, 26-year career in uh, the U.S. government and Department of Defense and Department of Justice and love technology. I'm a true believer that technology can change the world and can help solve, solve problems in the world by leveraging technology to do so. So very excited to be in the field. Yeah, you know, it's funny that I find it so so curious that there's a lot of people who cover tech and talk about technology that don't like love it, that don't, you know, just like really love to be involved and are empowered about all the cool things that people are working on. And it's one of the things for this podcast that is so exciting is hearing how people are totally transforming their organizations with technology and empowering people to do work that they love and to get results done. I mean, you are, you're an expert, obviously, in digital transformations. What are the sort of things that you're seeing of how technology is enabling businesses that might not, might not have had a tech edge in the past? You know, it's, it's such a great question because every company or every business today is a technology company. In order to compete and to win in today's market, technology has to be front and center of how you do your business, how you differentiate your business, how you serve your customers, and ultimately how you win, both from a corporate perspective and government perspective. And the role of a CIO probably has never been more important. And I don't think it's a better time than ever to be a CIO because of that strategic partnership that is required with businesses and companies today in order to leverage technology to enable your business or your mission and compete and win in today's market. And how do you think that 
you know, with the pace of innovation, how do you think that that is going to, you know, shape the companies that are kind of like lagging behind a little bit or those that are not kind of like embracing technology in the way that they, you know, should be or could be? Yeah, well, you know, we see it time and time again. If we look at the the companies that are, you know, the Fortune 500 top 20 companies from 10 years ago to what exists today, uh, more than half of them are gone, obsolete. So it really is with the pace of technology and the pace of this digital revolution, and even more so as we head into 5G and artificial intelligence, you either disrupt or be disrupted. So not leveraging technology to really enable, differentiate, and win the business, most likely you will not survive in today's market. And so I guess let's get into First, I want to talk 5G a little bit. Can you just kind of share what what is coming with 5G? I mean, that's something that I think we all are ready for um, in some form or fashion. But what are you seeing from your kind of vantage point? I I think uh, the best way to think about 5G is how, let's say, obstacles that may have existed from a network perspective are now being removed. And if we look at the proliferation of data, And we've all heard these statements of data eats the world. And it really is true. The amount of proliferation, that data explosion coming from the Internet of Things and sensors that is really interwoven throughout our lives, that onslaught of data is really what we all should be thinking about as CIO. How do I... How do I know where my data is? How do I aggregate data? What's important for my business? What data do I need to make better decisions and drive insights? That's all going to become even more possible with 5G as we connect faster and we move those obstacles from a network standpoint. And it's just going to, let's say, exacerbate or, you know, further accelerate the data explosion that we are seeing and dealing with today. And do you think that with these kind of massive amounts of of data that there's companies I think that some of them have a ton and some feel like they don't have a ton. How do you how do those kind of companies reconcile that gap? Like if they're if they're someone who traditionally has not gotten not you know steered into IoT or things like that, like how do you leverage the kind of, or I guess not leverage, how do you start that process? Like what are, what are folks doing in, in the field that you're seeing? Yeah, I, I think, you know, as we look at certainly as the CIO building a digital transformation strategy, first of all, we, we do digital transformation or IT transformation because we need to do business transformation, right? So it's directly linked together. And then I think the third piece that we need to think about is linking our data strategy. So to your point, the reason why they're all connected is to understand what I need to do with my data strategy, I need to figure out what the business is trying to do, how it's trying to win in a new market, how it's trying to provide a different service to a consumer, how it's partnering, how it's making decisions ultimately. And once I understand, and that's why that strategic partnership with the business is so important versus IT being viewed just as a service provider, is is critical to know what data is needed. Once you understand what data is needed, 
what you need to figure out next is, well, where is my data? And that's a hard problem for many enterprises, certainly medium to large enterprises, right? Because data is everywhere. I have data sitting in on-prem uh, legacy systems. I have data that may be in a software as a service application. I have data that's now sitting out in the public cloud. And I have data that's maybe out on the edge. So what data do I need? Where is it at? How do I aggregate that data? Where does it need to be stored? What do I need to make those decisions? Ultimately, all feeds into how I build my data architecture while I modernize my data centers, right? Because now we look at really a distributed eco ecosystem. No longer is it about, well, I'm either on-prem in a private cloud or in a public cloud. What's happening now is that my data is really distributed. Um, I have this resource distribution model of where I have data center plus edge plus cloud plus endpoint really equals tomorrow's IT. And that's complex in terms of how I'm going to manage and build that infrastructure or data architecture when I have multiple distribution points within my enterprise. As we switch to the topic of like hybrid cloud, describe to me kind of like what is hybrid cloud? Where did this kind of hybrid cloud strategy come about? And what does like how do organizations go about like making a decision on something like this? You know, cloud is an architecture. It's a delivery method. And, you know, it, it, many folks think cloud is all about public cloud. And, and cloud's almost becoming, you know, a little antiquated, I would say, in how we use the term. Because what we're dealing with now is really around what I would call hybrid IT. And, and when I use the term hybrid IT, it means that I have data sets or workloads that exist on-prem, exist in a public cloud, or you know, on-prem or in a private cloud, in a public cloud, or sitting at the edge. And, and ultimately what I would want, what would be Nirvana, is that I can orchestrate and I have workload portability, workload mobility within this eco, distributed ecosystem that ultimately meet the needs of my business or agency. So hybrid IT, is only becoming more complex, right? We have resource density that is growing. What do I mean by that? You know, now we, we look at DRAM at 350 plus gigabytes. We have CPUs of 20 plus cores. We have Ethernet of 100 plus gigabytes. I mean, incredible. If we look at Moore's Law and if, and if we look at all these capabilities that exist, we also now have this diversification of compute capabilities. Think about accelerators, ASICs, edge, data center, cloud, all of these things in terms of where am I going to place my compute and what compute do I need? And then to my third point, it's kind of like this resource distribution of my workloads and data sets are now across all of these various points of data center, edge, cloud, and endpoint, and the, and the boundaries are blurring. So... I want folks to, when we use the word hybrid cloud, it's really more about hybrid IT because of these really three key principles 
that are increasing the complexity of our environment in today's enterprises. Yeah, and do you think, I mean, and obviously that, that fits into like data center technology. I mean, how are folks, you know, how how are we equipping folks to move faster or to store more or, or things like that? Like how are we, how are CIOs becoming equipped with those abilities? Yeah, I think that, you know, the one thing I want folks to, to recognize is that it's really difficult, if not impossible, to win in today's marketplace on legacy infrastructure. And why is that? Legacy infrastructure slows me down. It doesn't give me the speed, the agility, frankly, the security. And also, as I need to modernize my environment, it, it actually increased my overall cost. So as I look at cloud infrastructures or cloud technologies, as I look at how I'm going to modernize my data center, you have to look at that not only from a software standpoint, but from a data standpoint and a hardware standpoint so that your technology can respond and be agile enough to support your business needs, but also the newer technologies allow you to drive TCO, right? Because IT is always addressing the issues of, you know, you're an IT cost center. How do I do things more efficiently? How do I drive those efficiencies within my IT enterprise so I can, frankly, invest more in innovation? Yeah, and so let's let's talk about innovation. I mean, what what do you do to drive innovation internally at Intel, like within your teams, um, like what is Intel doing? And then what are you seeing from the field as ways that folks are driving that type of innovation? Yeah, it's really exciting. You know, Intel has been transforming as a company as well from being really a, a PC-centric company to now a data, cen- data center-centric company. And we have a broad portfolio of tools and technologies that allow you to differentiate your business. It's not just about, although it's extremely important about the CPU, but as we think about digital transformation, you know, there's multiple components that CIOs need to think about. You need to think about your networking foundation. You need to think about your memory and storage um, strategy of what you're going to do with your data. You need to think about your analytics and AI strategy as you're building these digital transformation strategies. And all those are part of and should be part of decisions that you make as you modernize your infrastructure. And of course, we can't have a digital transformation strategy without having our people strategy, really workforce planning and strategy of how you're going to adopt and train your team to be able to leverage these new technologies, which we call now software-defined data centers. How do I leverage and how do I run a software-defined data center? And I got to have the people in my organization to be able to do that. So that people strategy is just as important as your technology strategy. And of course, addressing the executive, you know, top-down buy-in and addressing the cultural issues within an organization are always extremely important. I, I always used to say that the technology piece was actually the easy, the easy part. It's the cultural and people part, the change management aspect of that, of getting an organization or a business to 
transform themselves from a business process standpoint, leveraging technology is always the hardest part. We all know the saying that culture eats strategy for breakfast. The greatest digital transformation or IT transformation strategy I have will certainly not be successful if I'm not addressing those other couple of um, components. So from from an Intel perspective, what's, what's really fascinating and really exciting, you know, next year with our new Cascade Lake platform, we are going to be delivering a brand new, as an example of innovation in persistent memory called our Intel DC Optane Persistent Memory. And and the way we look at that persistent memory, and this has been innovation that we've been building for the last 10 years, is an additional memory pool to our RAM. So we used to have RAM and we used to have hard disk. Now I have an additional pool of memory that is non-volatile, so it's persistent, that allows me to store larger data sets within my in-memory database as an example. And I always try to simplify it for our CIOs and saying, you know, the larger data sets, the more memory, the more compute I have, the bigger the problems that I can solve. So this is just one example of the innovation that Intel is, is bringing to the market. And as we think about building our digital transformation strategies, think about how innovation in networking technologies and FPGAs or accelerators for certain workloads of memory and storage and in compute, all of these components, how can they be leveraged to differentiate your business or solve your business problems? And that's the beauty of what I think Intel can do as a strategic partner with you. So what's interesting, when you first said that like CIOs are worried about networking and memory, I was, I, my first thought was like, uh, like, like going to meetups and LinkedIn or I'm like, oh, that's right. Networking and memory. But I think we're all, maybe we're all losing our memories a little bit with uh, all the, the short term, short termism of how much content we consume on a daily basis. But uh, the machines will remember it for us. What, so on that kind of data strategy for companies, how are companies looking at uh, with regulations around like GDPR and CCPA and things like that? Like how does the regulation of data strategy, how should CIOs be looking at that? Yeah, I mean, this is, this is really understanding workload requirements and workload placement and where I place those workloads to meet those type of compliance audit or regulatory uh, requirements. And, you know, certainly from my experience as a CIO, those type of workloads that have those requirements were workloads that I kept on-prem, right? Core IP. And we're still seeing within the market as you, you know, you asked me earlier about cloud. If I look at workload placement, you know, we see a distribution of workload placement, whether it's on-prem, private cloud, public or on the edge, based on these type of requirements, regulatory and compliance, cybersecurity, latency issues, cost concerns, core IP, mission criticality of these workloads that should be part of your criteria in determining how you're ultimately going to architect your environments. Yeah. I mean, do you think that, I mean, do you have 
Like what what are what are you hearing from your colleagues from other CIOs about how they are approaching those challenges like in 2019 and beyond? Like what are some best practices or, or secrets from the field that you're kind of hearing of uh, of ways that folks are, are are trying to solve those? Solve solve what which part which part get clarity on solve which part of the problem. Yeah, specifically with like with data storage around like the regulatory kind of issues. Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, you need to understand where your data is. And that's that that can be challenging for many enterprises because I have data all over the place. So it's not yeah. an easy problem. Second of all, I, I think you need to, from a regulatory and compliance standpoint, then make decisions. First, you need to understand the utilization of those workloads. You need to understand your regulatory and compliance requirements, and that should feed into the decision of where that workload remains. For many CIOs, I'm sure that decision is, well, that's a workload I'm going to keep on-prem within my own infrastructure in a private cloud. And, you know, I do want to, I do want to advocate that legacy infrastructure, those workloads that are going to remain on-prem, you know, find a path to optimize that infrastructure into a cloud infrastructure, because then you get all the benefits of cloud technologies, but you're allowing that workload to remain on-prem. So I would do that first and foremost. And then of course, as I keep those workloads on-prem, you know, as a CIO, cybersecurity is always front and center. As I think about my security architecture that is built in or what I would call baked in to how I'm making those, how I'm, how I'm ultimate, ultimately building my distributed ecosystem and managing my data center enterprise. You stole my next question. I was going to ask you, like, what, how do the roles and responsibilities for security, you know, lie between the CIO and the CISO? Like, how do you kind of view that moving forward? What are kind of some of those things that you've seen as best practices for how people deal with this problem with like these massive amounts of data and uh you know that kind of the breaches that are going on and the stuff that we're seeing out there like how are you how have you seen kind of best practices from that perspective as like the role of the cio and and CISO are kind of changing dramatically well i mean there's no doubt that from a cybersecurity standpoint it becomes you know, the, our adversaries are getting smarter and smarter. It's becoming a more complex problem and challenging problem. And, and certainly, you know, our Internet of Things and our connected data world that we live in is uh, only exacerbating that complexity that we're dealing with. I would say first, first, from a role perspective, I mean, the CIO and the CISO should be tied at the hip, right? They're connected at the hip. And, and I'm a firm believer that at the, at the end of the day, the buck stops, you know, the buck stops here with the CIO. And, and you're ultimately responsible as well as the CISO of that overall security within your enterprise. In terms of, of best practices, you know, I've always believed in, in what I call as a defense in depth security architecture. And what I mean by that is, you know, you're only as secure as your weakest link. And depending on the size of your enterprise, that weakest link could come in from anywhere. And we have to consider our supply chains and who's ultimately connected to our networks because 
that defense in depth strategy or architecture needs to start at your perimeter and understand what's happening from a perimeter standpoint all the way down to your workstation in establishing you know best practices and processes within the organization and company and you know, we know for a fact, you know, as an example, as we look at the supply chain, that many of the security breaches that have happened, and I'm not going to call anyone out, have happened from a supply chain standpoint, whether it was third party uh, point of sales or third party software vendors that all had access or a way into your network, which really kind of proves out much to my point as you really need to think holistically across your entire ecosystem, and I'm only as strong in my defense as my weakest link, and examine where all of those links are into your enterprise. The other thing I would add is, you know, Intel today, we have baked in many security features into our silicon to make our platforms even, even more secure, and we want to leverage those capabilities from a hardware and as well as a software standpoint. And we will be announcing uh, next year with our Cascade Lake platform, actually a brand new security solution, which offers, you know, I can't go into too many details, but if we think about, you know, a trusted boot down at the hardware layer and how that can play within our enterprises to really extend that route of trust and security Throughout my enterprise, I'm very excited about and happy to come back after the new year and talk more yeah. about that with you. Yeah, let's do it. I know. I was like, I mean, if you if you want to break some news now, it's totally fine, you know. But but yeah, that would be great. We'd love to love to have that conversation because that's super exciting. So we we talked to a lot of of folks who have kind of been in and around the the government. Uh, in certain ways, you spend a lot of time in the government. Are there some kind of best practices that you've seen from the government that, um, you know, as someone who's in, in the army for uh, for a decade of my life, uh, yeah, I've spent, spent some time there as well. And there's a lot of things that I think we do specifically from like a defensive posture that obviously are the best in the world. But there's, I think there's sometimes that the government can learn a ton from private sector and vice versa. What were some of those things that like you brought with you to Intel and bring and ultimately like share with your, you know, your colleagues and other IT leaders that are some of those kind of unique ways of, of looking at things? Yeah, I, I think the, you know, what I, what I learned working in government is the importance of really supporting the mission. And, and, and I had the pleasure of, serving in Department of Defense and, and working with the U.S. Marshals and Department of Justice, where, you know, the technology that we put into the hands of our warfighters or into the hands of our U.S. Marshals, example, lives are at stake. And these are life or death decisions many times as to the technology really enabling and supporting these incredible missions within within the agencies I got to work in. So I, I have a uh, I have an appreciation and recognize I think the value of how technology can really help and I get give us an advantage over our adversaries or help law enforcement really save lives or make better decisions. How technology truly can enable the business and the mission number one. 
And I, and I think I, I take from government that I bring in, you know, I, I was three years in academia as the CIO for Georgetown University and before I came to Intel for my third adventure. You know, the problem sets we all deal with are the same. It's so interesting, sector to sector. The problems aren't that much different. It's kind of how we approach the problems, I think, is different. And, and one of the things I valued in government is just the rigor around process. You know, our processes are strong and they have to be strong, certainly in Department of Defense and in our law enforcement community. So that that value of process that we bring into solving a problem and, you know, what we can learn from. And I think your example that I think that you were alluding to was from a cybersecurity standpoint. You know, I managed managed environments of multiple different security classifications. And how did we manage those environments? And frankly, what can from our, our corporate sector learn from how many of our top government agencies that deal with these problems day, day in and day out really create those security events in depth architectures? You know, I, and I wanted to ask you about your time at Georgetown because I think, you know, we've had CIOs of cities here in the past. We haven't had someone who's a CIO of, of a university, although there might be one in the near future. But I think it's really interesting that the challenges that universities face from a standpoint that they have so many people that are on the network um, compared to, you know, companies where you, you, you might have a fraction of what, uh, of what a university sees and the turnover is astronomical. So what were some of those challenges that you saw as, as CIO of, of Georgetown? Yeah, it, it was it was a great experience to, uh, to to work as the CIO one of the top institutions in the country and and Georgetown you know is a great example you know created in I, I believe it's 1787 or 1789 and when I took the role it was really about digital transformation and how do we transform an institution you know 200 years old to be relevant for our students today, because as your point is, I got 10,000 digital natives running around the campus. You know, we, we, you know, as I look at my own kids, I think each one of them, you know, I think the minimum was carrying four different devices. So you can imagine all that activity that's happening your, on your network. So thinking about how your infrastructure supports that, do your classrooms support that? And, and one of the things that I'm most proud of as we looked at Georgetown is we wanted to create this seamless, intuitive experience where the technology was pervasive, that it didn't matter as a student if I was walking across the quad, if, if I was in my dorm room, if, if I was in the classroom, I was hanging out with my friends. The technology was pervasive and it was transparent that I was always connected because there is a expecta expectation that I can be anywhere any place and any time and my mm -hmm. technology is available and as consumers today if you think about college students as consumers we now have the same expectation and those expectations are carried in to the companies or the businesses that i work for so you know i hear a lot from you know colleagues of you know, other companies of, hey, why do I have such connectivity at home? And this is only going to become more prevalent as we move to 5G. But yet I can't do X, for example, in the office. 
right? So this is a, something, you know, as a CIO, and certainly as a CIO of an academic institution, of how are we serving the consumers and how am I meeting expectations, of whether it's my students or my consumers or my co customers, and how I'm supporting them with the technology capabilities I have today. I love that. I mean, and I, it's, it's one of the areas, you know, we have a podcast, Education Trends, educationtrends.com. And we, we talk to university officials and like, those are the type of innovations that make a huge difference. They never mattered. None of this mattered 50 years ago. You know, none of this mattered 20 years ago. And now these things are prerequisites for all the students. Yeah. And you know why? Because at the end of the day, what does the technology do? It creates that experience. So, you know, one of the things that we say at Intel is Intel inside amazing experiences outside, yeah. which I love that. Well, I love that slogan. And as CIOs, we need to think about how technology creates that experience experience and what is that experience I'm trying to create, whether it's for a student, whether it's for my consumer, whether it's for my customer, whether it's for my internal partner within the four walls that I serve, that experience is what it's all about. And, you know, how did you, um, you know, and I know you can't necessarily go into it too much, but, um, you know, you worked, you were the CIO of, of two organizations, which are have definitely a very defensive posture with the uh, United States Marshal Service and the and counterintelligence field activity. It, you know, is those sort of things, totally different problem set. How do you kind of manage in your career? How have you managed these completely different like customer types? It, it really seems like you view the employers or the employees and the users of you know, as, as a CIO, that those are your customers, you know, those are your, your constituents that you're serving. How have those problem sets like completely changed uh, over the years, depending on what the organization's mission is? Well, you know, it, and it's so true because your internal, you know, the, the employees of, let's take the U.S. Marshal Service, the men and women marshals were my customers and putting technology into their hands to do their day, to do their jobs day in and day out was first and foremost our mission in the IT department. And that was really exciting. So I think you, as no matter what company or what, you know, what type of business you're in, you know, whether it was the men and women of the U.S. Marshals, whether it was the students of Georgetown University, and now my customers are all my incredible ecosystem partners, as well as CIOs that I get to help day in and day out in really building these modernized infrastructures and helping them with their digital transformation. So I get the luxury to do that. I think if we, if we keep first and foremost who it is we're serving, and, and what is it the business or the mission trying to accomplish, then we can really kind of target our digital transformation strategies to, to help our businesses and help those missions and agencies that we serve for, or even universities, remain relevant and compete and ultimately win in what they're doing. And, you know, I, I, I guess I'm always drawn to those opportunities where digital transformation is required, where can technology truly be a game changer? And those game changer opportunities is where I think I have the most fun 
because you're solving some of the biggest problems when you do so. I love it. Let's get into the lightning rounds. Fast and easy questions, stuff we haven't sent you yet. The lightning round is presented by the lightning platform by Salesforce, which coincidentally also fast and easy because you can build mobile apps fast and easy on the lightning platform. So let's get into it. Question number one, what app are you using on your phone that is the most fun? The most fun app I use is Vivino, but I also use, certainly if you're in Washington, D.C. or try to park in San Francisco, Park Mobile. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, we, uh, yeah, admittedly, another guest on the show had a negative exper- experience with Park Mobile. So maybe they, maybe they changed it up. Maybe they took some c- customer feedback on the way. But, uh, but that's great. I love it. What, okay, number two here. What is your favorite time-saving tool? I think my t- favorite time-saving tool is, so I'm an Apple. I have uh, iPhones. I just got the latest iPhone. And I like to integrate my technologies. So between using my Notes app, my calendar, and I've been using recently Evernote as a note-keeping capability and syncing with my team to drive more efficiency and how we're communicating and collaborating on things are my favorite kind of tools that I use day in and day out. What about your favorite use of AI or chatbots that you've seen recently? That's an interesting one. Oh, I know one. Uh, I get the pleasure of serving on the board of our National Center of Missing and Exploited Children. And Intel partnered with the center to leverage artificial intelligence and automating the image and data feeds to find our missing children faster. Yeah, it's a great example of how artificial intelligence is being used for good and can be used for good to solve some of these really difficult and pressing problems in the world. Yeah, we interviewed uh, KC, the CIO of Palantir, and he was sharing some of the, the same stuff of that they've done a ton of work finding missing children and, and exploited children for some of their for some of their customers and like finding rhino poachers and stuff like that. It's just so empowering. I mean, like that's a, it's just so exciting the things that we can do with technologies and you know we uh, we we got to beat back the bad guys and uh, we we have superpowers to do so. Yeah, Palantir does great work for the center. Yeah. Do you have a favorite uh, podcast or recent book that you've uh, listened to or read? Recent book? Well, a book I'm reading now and almost finishing is Michelle Obama's book, Becoming. Another book that I really liked that I actually shared with my team is a book called Measure What Matters. So I think that that's great. Those two come immediately to mind that have been recent reads. And I've been listening to the podcast. Uh, I really like the Lean In podcast. I'm a, I'm a huge supporter of women in STEM and advocate for women in STEM and how we can do more, certainly in Silicon Valley, and how we can encourage our young girls to invest in STEM technologies. Yeah, I totally agree. I The um, Girls Who Code and all those great organizations that are doing some really cool stuff to promote that. My, my sister's an engineer and you know, from a very early age, she was definitely going to be an engineer. And there was, uh, my parents did a great job of surrounding her with uh, stuff, engineering stuff. So I couldn't agree Role more. models, fantastic. 
role models like Lisa Davis. Um, <laughs> well, before we before we get out of here, final questions, the lightning round. What is your favorite? I I've, I saw that you've been to Half Moon Bay recently, so you can't use that because it's one of my favorite places. But favorite one day getaway here in our sunny Bay Area. Oh well, that's easy. Sonoma or Napa, of course. Uh, of course. Uh, <laughs> final question: What is your? Actually, two more questions. Sorry. Oh my goodness. Okay. Thing you're most excited about, technology you're most excited about for next year? I just, uh, probably the, the continued involvement of artificial intelligence and how it can really solve problems, whether it's, you know, just disease, uh, certainly in, in medicine and in the environment and examples like I gave with finding and working with the National Center of Missing Exploited Children. Really excited about those. But also for next year, excited about uh, Intel's new Cascade Lake platform with our brand new innovative memory technology and our new security technologies that we'll be launching. Best advice for a first-time CIO? Best advice would be invest in building those business relationships and understanding the business first and foremost. Second of all, have a plan, have a strategy that's tied to the business strategy. Make that holistic in terms of the point that I've kind of called out in our talk today. And then find those quick wins. Look for low-hanging fruit. Find those quick wins. And there's lots of low-hanging fruit in IT enterprises that you can find to build success and momentum and excitement about what IT can do to differentiate and win with the business. I love it. Thanks so much, Lisa. We'll have to have you back in the new year, share more more stuff, or maybe uh, for a CIO roundtable here in our uh, in our studio in Palo Alto. But thanks so much for for hanging out, for all the answers, and uh, we'll we'll talk to you soon. Any final words? No, thank you. It's been real fun. Love would love to come back and uh, wish everyone certainly a happy holiday. Thank you again to our friends at Salesforce. IT Visionaries is brought to you by the Lightning Platform by Salesforce, a leading cloud platform that makes building AI-powered apps faster and easier. With Salesforce, now everyone can build apps for their organization. Learn more at salesforce.com slash buildapps.